Hello, and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. Each week, we bring you interviews with makers of all kinds from all over the world that identify as female, non-binary, or transgender. Today's guest is Sandra Elder. Sandra is a self-taught artist who was not able to truly devote time to her creative journey until after retiring from her life in the business world. With pottery, Sandra's chosen medium is porcelain because its strength and delicacy learn to live in harmony. It is the perfect canvas to display the beautiful zinc silicate crystals that can only be created through normally destructive fire. These naturally occurring phenomena inspire her never-ending desire to artistically harness their capability on the backdrop of her forms, which equally exude capability and femininity. Sandra creates her forms on the potter's wheel with a vision to move the observer's eye from one end of the piece fluidly around the work without interruption. On this canvas, she applies glazes that she developed using rare earth elements and oxides that create dramatic backdrops for the crystal formations. And it was my pleasure to get to have conversation with her and learn about her journey, getting into pottery, uh, from the business world and how those two still kind of uh, overlap and interact. Before we head into the conversation with Sandra, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Matthew from Artigiano Serio, uh, who is one of the podcast's uh, main sponsors. So thank you so very much. And thank you, Candice C.J. Woodgrain, Lee Atlee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Workshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Rachel, Moody Makes, Bonnie, Toolmom Bonnie, Toolmomstore.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy Studio Obey, Lee the Rainbow Carver, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued support on a monthly basis, helping to produce the podcast every month. If you are enjoying the podcast and would like to learn more about how you can support it, please stick around to the end of the episode where I will tell you how to do all of that. And uh, for now, let's head on into the conversation with Sandra Elder. Um, I do like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. Would you do that for me? Yeah, my name is Sandra Elder, and there ain't a whole lot to introduce, just a crazy <laughs> clay artist. <laughs> I'm assuming you know that already, though. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I want to kind of, I want to do kind of big picture here and ask, like, what's, uh, what's the story of, of Sandra from, like, baby Sandra growing up to getting into being the uh, clay artist? <laughs> baby Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about baby Sandra. <laughs> little, little Sandra grew up in New England. Okay. Massachusetts specifically. So uh, then I went off to, to college in New Jersey is where I did my undergraduate at Rutgers. Uh, next thing you know, I'm in the business world, just like 
climbing my way to the top, have a goal of being like a VP, you know, all those things that you want to be when you're in college, you know. And frankly, it all happened. Yeah, you know, I did all that. I did all that. Yeah. <laughs> Big company vice president and living what some people would consider to be the good life. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of, I don't know if empty is the right word, but it was like, it was definitely not part of my creative soul. Mm -hmm. So eventually I decided that I was not going to be doing that anymore because the world was calling me, <laughs> okay. you know, so, you know, went and got, got my master's degree in, in international development and out in Chicago, started a, a, a kind of a bridge business, kind of a semi-retirement from corporate life, ran that for about eight years. Uh, next thing you know, I'm getting a, a coupon for a half price clay class. <laughs> and frankly, I was horrible at it. Horrible at it. I mean, if I had gone with that, I would have never gotten into clay. But uh then in 2014, I decided I was going to start playing in clay a lot more. And next thing you know, I'm in love with it. And here I am. <laughs> Crazy artist. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when you were younger, did you, because you said like it didn't, the business world didn't like feed your creative soul so like were you always dabbling in something creative like on the side too good good question yeah I wouldn't say um on the side I guess like whenever I had time for sure you know I I went through this thing with photography and got of course every piece of photography equipment that you could imagine you know spent all this money on all these lenses did uh photo safari while I was working in Kenya and did, you know, I always had my camera around for a while. Mm -hmm. Definitely when I was little, I did a lot of drawing, like a lot of drawing. In fact, when I was in, I want to say high school, I took double art classes because at one point I thought I was going to be like this artist. And my mom would ask me what I was going to do. And I said, I'm going to be an artist. And, you know, she just kind of looked at me and shook, shook her head like, you're going to be hungry. <laughs> So I knew that wasn't going to happen. But yeah, I definitely did um, drawing, painting, photography, like you name it. It doesn't matter the medium. I want to do it all the time. And I've tried a lot since then, too. So mm -hmm. for sure, art was definitely always in my blood. So what is it about clay that it stuck? <sighs> That's a good question. That's a really good question. I think just, you know, as I was doing clay, it didn't matter how ugly my piece was <laughs> it just felt so good in my hands um just like having that what some people say the reason they don't do clay is because they don't want to get their hands dirty and like mm -hmm. I do clay because I want to get my hands dirty like I love the way it felt the first time I did a piece and it actually looked like something I wanted it to be you know like I'm going for a bowl and it turns out to actually look like a bowl <laughs> You know, that took a long time, but um, I, I don't know. I guess it's just the way it felt. It just, it's hard. To, it's like when you meet that person that is your person, mm -hmm. you know, and you just you can't explain why that person is your person. 
they just are. And I guess clay is just my art. It's mm -hmm. just my thing. No matter what else I do, I'm thinking about clay. I get that. I'm the same when it comes to power carving. And for me, instead of uh, instead of clay, getting all messy with that, it's sawdust. Sawdust is my like therapy. The more covered in it I am, like the happier I am. So I get it. <laughs> That's, it's funny you say that though, Katie, because I did uh, wood turning. Mm -hmm. so I've taken wood turning a couple of times and I love the wood turning. It's it's weirdly similar to clay in terms of the skills that you have to have. Mm -hmm. But when I would come out of out of wood turning class and I would have sawdust like <laughs> down my shirt. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh my God, it doesn't feel the same. <laughs> but you like that apparently. I do, though a lot of some of the other um like female power carvers I'm friends with, we do joke that like we need to have like vacuum attachments to our bras so that we can like suck out the sawdust as we're <laughs> Yeah, I can understand that. I can, I feel you <laughs> for sure. Um, now, I definitely am curious about like, do you feel like the kind of your past business life has aided in success of your artist's life? Like learning lessons from, I mean, you were up there running these businesses, right? So do you think that that has helped understand that art is also a business? Uh, you know what? I, to be honest, I don't like really, I don't think about art being a business. Absolutely it is. There's no question about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... I guess if art felt like a business, like it, it just comes, business comes naturally to me. There's, there's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. In my mind, it comes now, it just comes natural. It's just my, it's just part of who I am, but the art part, whenever it feels like it's work or if it feels like it's business, uh, it might, it inhibits me from wanting to do it so if I'm so like some people will ask me to take commissions and I have taken commissions for sure uh, generally if it's a large commission or if I know somebody well and they've been part of my creative journey then and they mm -hmm. ask me to do something I would do a commission that way but if I feel like I have to do something that is specific to something somebody else wants me to do which would be the business side you know somebody comes to you you're like oh excited I'm gonna you know do that right, right. that's the business side um if if it's not something that I in my heart want to do creatively mm -hmm. then I I will just dread that project and so I, I often will not take what people would normally take as business yeah just because it doesn't feed me creatively but if it's something that feeds me creatively then I'll I'll do it but that's the business that's the business side that you're talking about you know trying to gr grow that 
I think, well, I mean, I think side. it's interesting. I mean, I totally, yeah, I totally, totally hear what you're saying. I think it's interesting though, that you went to commissions for business, because I would say like even selling something that you just created from your heart is like, to me, that's business too. I mean, that's like where I want to go, right. Is like, I want to design my own thing. I'm with you. I don't yeah. do like, I'm horrible. <laughs> at commission work like I I put it off I like I procrastinate you know like it's just I'm not good at it um, but if it's something that it's like it's just coming for me it's like I step out in the shop and it's like that's what I want to make and I make it and I love it um that's what I want to do but I'm also aiming to be like I want to I still want to find the market for what I'm making but I don't want the market to drive what I make, if that makes sense. Totally, totally makes sense. I think that the, the thing for me, though, is I don't make something with selling it in mind. Mm. Like, it's a nice, it's definitely a very nice thing. I make something because I want somebody who looks at it to be moved. Mm -hmm. Like, it truly just, I want them to look at it and I want them to say, you know, wow. Oh, oh my gosh. How did she do that? How did she right. do that? I want them to, I've had, I had a student, a play student um, for one of my online classes say to me, she's like, when I look at your work, I have had occasion where it's brought me to tears. Like that's what I'm thinking about when I'm in the studio creating. Don't get me wrong. I love that it sells. <laughs> <laughs> I have no problem with that part, but I'm not doing it for that. And I know that might sound weird to no, a lot of people. I don't think it sounds weird at all. I mean, I, I would say that a lot of, a lot of people who get like, are just fed, their soul is fed from creating. I would say probably feel the same. I will create whether it sells or not. Like exactly. It, that's not the end goal necessarily when I'm creating that piece though yeah. eventually at some point it would be nice when it sells because you know money <laughs> like... right. absolutely absolutely I have no hate for that at all and, <laughs> and as my work gets more it gets better and better and better and it gets bigger not always necessarily bigger but I you know making yeah. some larger pieces and those larger pieces that are better they certainly sell for a lot more I enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But I just don't, I just don't go into it with yeah. the thing, the, the thought, like, I want to create something that you're going to buy. But that's that, you know, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, I love the fact that you want to buy what I created. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, you know, again, this is just my personal experience. I feel like if I'm really in the zone and I'm putting emotion into it, that's like, I, I love when I get emotion out of it from somebody who sees it because it's like, okay, you connected with like that part of my soul that I put into that piece. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Totally. Get that. I mean, I approach like, I think just like anything in life that way though, you know, like anything that I am out there doing, it's gotta be something that is making me feel something, whether it's, mm -hmm. it's travel, it's teaching, no matter, no matter what I'm doing, creating, if I'm not feeling it, 
I only have so much time on this planet. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, okay. You said something in there that I definitely want to follow up on, which was like the teaching aspect. So you do online you teach online or you do you teach online and in person uh clay work both specifically about clay it's uh, it's online and it's uh in person i teach at the dunedin fine arts center in dunedin florida and i uh i offer some classes online as well through the zoom platform Mm -hmm. and uh, i also do privates so like if somebody that i'm really interested in teaching privately Mm-hmm. then I will, I would do that. Uh, I've had people fly in from other parts of the country to take classes, take like a one-on-one class with me, private lesson, which I enjoy that a lot just mm-hmm. because it's the fact that somebody wants to travel <laughs> just, right. just, to, yeah, <laughs> just to learn from me. It's like, what? <laughs> but I, I love it. I, I also love what I do, especially when I do um, teach online that I have people that all over the world in classes, you know, I mean, it's just wild that I will have somebody in, in Asia and I will have somebody in Ireland and I'll have somebody in Russia and I'll have somebody in Israel all on the same zoom class. I mean, that's cool. That is cool. Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by Athena Outfitters. Athena Outfitters is a quality workwear brand for hardworking women that sells everything a badass beauties need to get the job done from work boots to basics. They curate the toughest essentials made to help you perform. Every piece is handpicked to seamlessly slide right into your daily lifestyle from rugged and roguish weekday wear to effortless weekend flair. You can fill your closet with gear that can do it all. So for Christmas, I ordered my wife like a very nice pair of slippers from Athena Outfitters and she loves them. Loves them so much that she has accidentally gone to the gym and the grocery store in them because they seem to never leave her feet. So definitely a place to go check out, go get the goods that help you not only out in the shop, but just in your daily uh, work around the house and outdoors. As a listener of the podcast, you can go to Athena Outfitters website and use coupon code MM, as in M&Ms, 15 for 15% off any purchase. So again, you go to AthenaOutfitters.com and use the code MM15 and get 15% off of your purchase at checkout. Did you do the Zoom thing stuff like? pre-COVID or did that start with COVID? It was, it was definitely during COVID. I think everybody did something crazy during COVID. Yep. And I was like, either I was going to bake sourdough bread or I was going to teach online. (laughs) (laughs) I think people had cornered the sourdough market. So I think it's time to teach online. So yeah. And that was, that was so cool that, that everybody was willing to do something online because you know a lot of people are like well how can I learn clay online yeah and then they would be producing something or doing something that they never thought that they didn't even learn from in-person teaching before yeah you know so that was really cool yeah that's a it's an interesting I I came totally 
late to that. Like I've just recently put stuff out online for teaching um, power carving. Uh, and it took, it's because it kind of took convincing, right? It was like, I had a bunch of people, especially during COVID, like reaching out like, hey, when are you gonna, are you ever gonna offer classes? Like we wanna come like learn from you. And because of COVID, I was like, well, I'm not going to do it in person because we can't really right now. Um, And I struggled with like, how do I teach this, especially with power tools that like are loud, right? So I'm like, how do I teach this online? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like really struggling to wrap my head around that idea and also being concerned with like, well, what happens if they get hurt, like after yeah. taking the class and stuff like that? Right, right. Yeah. You have insurance for that, I'm hoping. I do. I have business. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point, you know? <laughs> yeah, I actually, like I specifically set that up this year with my, uh, with my business insurance, I was like, all right, we need to restructure this because this is what Mm -hmm. I'm doing. And there's potential for somebody to like get injured, even though I have a whole section, right? Like that's the very first section is like safety. (laughs) Like all of the things that could go wrong when you're doing this um, type of thing. But even beyond that, I was like, yeah, I need to uh, cover my own ass here. Like in case somebody gets injured and then wants to blame me for it so <laughs> totally. frankly i had never heard about power carving until yeah never like yeah i didn't even know it was a thing yep <laughs> well usually if people know about it they think chainsaws which i don't do the chainsaw stuff um okay. that's too uh that's too scary for me but um i do it all with angle grinders and 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 rotary tools and stuff like that but yeah it's a uh, it's my meditative time. <laughs> how, how on earth did you get into doing power curving? Um, I got into it actually through seeing a, a YouTube video. Um, and it came from like a desire to, like I have, I was taught like traditional woodworking and stuff, but it came from a desire to make very curved organic pieces and, um, instead of kind of like straight angular, you know, stuff. Um, And so I was looking and I also had limited tools. So it was like, what do I have on hand and how can I make something curved? And I, that combined with a YouTube video and voila, the the rest is, the rest is history. (laughs) It's funny you talk about the curves then too, because we have that in common in that I love my pieces to be very, feminine in my mind and very curvy in my mind like I really need an uninterrupted travel from either the top of the piece to the bottom of the piece or the bottom to the top mm-hmm. however it is but I want the softness and femininity to come through which is why I create I do create the the curves as mm-hmm. you say in my work a lot yeah I that totally resonates with me um I never really, I guess, connected it with femininity, but that actually totally makes sense when you say that. Um, I've always connected it with just like natural shapes of seeing in nature, like draw, I'm drawn to the water, right? And like drawn to oceans and stuff like that. And 
just all of that there's like no straight lines in any of that like everything in nature is curved um mm. <laughs> so yeah in one way or another yeah 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 um and that's just always intrigued me and it's always felt mm, hard to interact with like angular pieces like in everyday life that you know human beings have made and everything's like square and yeah. <laughs> you know all that yep. and it just doesn't I don't know it just doesn't feel right to me so it's always always got to be the curves gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. <laughs> we have curvy in common yeah. <laughs> um so getting into the it sounds like you were teaching in-person classes before COVID. Um, yeah, yeah. And you actually, the arts center just shut. Ah, uh, you know, I've taught a lot of different things. Okay. Uh, I do. I do like sharing my knowledge. It's mm-hmm. that's really what that's all about—the teaching thing. So it doesn't matter what I'm teaching. So, like the first time I ever taught. Right? All right. So if I go back to the to the corporate life that I had, you know, you're always teaching. Yeah. You're, you you know, you have people who report to you and you're always trying to mold and guide, teach. And so I guess it was just natural as I branched out in other parts of life. Um, you know, the first thing I ever taught was entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. When I was in Kenya, I worked several months in Kenya teaching young entrepreneurs who had businesses, but they didn't have business, they didn't know how to develop business plans and grow their businesses, things like that. So I taught over there for a couple of months. Um, And then I also taught English in the Amazon, the Colombian Amazon, Uh, lived down there for a while and, and totally enjoyed that. And it wasn't until I got back from the Amazon that I started teaching clay. Uh, and it was just on a fluke, really. I, a friend of mine who was teaching needed somebody to take over his class because he was uh, not going to be able to teach that session. And so they said, okay, how about you teach? And that, frankly, at that time, I think I was like only three years into my clay journey. So uh, mm-hmm. I, in my head, didn't really know that I was good enough to teach other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> clay, specifically. Yeah. But somehow, you know, it worked and developed and I started getting better. And so I started becoming a better clay teacher as I started to grow myself. Uh, And then I got hooked teaching clay because I loved watching somebody go from a point where they couldn't even center clay to making. now I teach people who were making the biggest pieces they've ever made in their lives. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, well, I... I didn't, I didn't, I, I can barely center clay right now. Maybe I can center two or three pounds. And I said, well, then you can make the biggest piece. If you can center two or three pounds, you can make the biggest piece you've ever made in your life and the most beautiful piece you've ever made in your life. And then they come out of class and they actually do it. Mm-hmm. And that is just like, you know, mm-hmm. for me, the heart pounds at how successful somebody else is. And that just drew me in more and more and more. I wanted to teach more and more and more. Mm-hmm. So now I've like doubled or tripled the amount of classes that I'll teach. Pretty cool. I I definitely get that. I had an opportunity to kind of, I wouldn't say teach, but introduce people to power carving at a conference in February. And 
that was like the largest group I've introduced to, to power carving. And um, I really enjoy watching somebody like come up scared to use the tool to moving mm. away from just even three minutes later, like not fully confident, but just like, oh, I can do this. And then like watch their mind just go with like yeah. all the possibilities of all the things that they can do. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know it's almost a high at least for me it feels like almost a high <laughs> right I got it <laughs> interesting way of putting it for sure yeah. it moves your soul it's yeah, feeding yeah. your creative soul again yeah. yeah totally have you ever taught entrepreneurship to artists I have not I have not I have not done that I you know I don't know a lot of artists who what, how do I say it? Or like have communicated to me that they're interested in something like that. But you're asked, you're probably right. Where I think you're going is it certainly is needed. Yes. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> is, is needed. Because it's one thing to understand like just the, the creative part. Yeah. It's very different to understand how to bring it to market, how to serve your customer, how to fill that niche as you were mm -hmm. speaking of earlier, how to deal with the economics, the economics of scale, the thought of pricing. I mean, mm -hmm. all those things are certainly very important. And the, probably the biggest question I hear all the time is like, I don't know, how, how should I price my work? Yeah. You know, I get that question a lot. How should I price my work? So that do you have some advice for that? <laughs> that is the number one question is like how to price work. And I will say there's like so many different opinions out there. <laughs> yeah. On it. <laughs> and, you know, there's the easy way of pricing your work. And it, it really depends on a lot of different factors. But the easy way of pricing your work is just like, you know, you have your materials, obviously, but then you set your own hourly price. So you have your expenses that are related to it and you have your the variables that are going in. But then you also have to give yourself an hourly rate above those costs. And then, you know, it's an easy way to guide yourself to pricing that way. OK, so that's that's one thing. And that hourly rate, the, the better you get at your craft and the more unique your particular skill is the higher you, I would establish that rate to be mm -hmm. so you, know, you might say it could be $20 an hour but then as you get so much better it could get up to 200 or more right. dollars right. an hour you know based on and I think I see model. I see across like all artistic mediums so I'm saying like you know, metal workers, woodworkers, clay artists, like all artistic mediums, where I see people struggle with that is number one, they underestimate how much time it's going to take. And number two, mm -hmm. um, they lack confidence that that end price that they actually end on, like how much time it actually took to make that piece. They lack mm -hmm. the confidence that somebody will actually purchase it for that. Right. I, you're, I think you're right on target. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and they may be surprised. And sometimes, like, I'll have a piece that is way, way, way more expensive than another piece that's in the, in my, because I do art shows as well, mm -hmm. that's, that's in my booth. And 
the really expensive piece is perceived as being the much better piece. Um, And, you know, frankly, in terms of time, I could have a very large piece that I make, or I could have a mug that I make. And the mug takes longer than the large piece, Mm -hmm. you know, but, you know, I also have to understand that there is certainly a limit to the amount that somebody's going to spend on a mug. Yeah. Um, But I also have mugs that are very detailed and they may cost well over a hundred dollars for that. And there's somebody who's going to buy that because they recognize the work that I've put into that and the Mm -hmm. uniqueness of that piece. You know, so, I mean, uh, some people don't flinch at, at artists, clay artists who sell their mugs for $300 a piece because there's some serious work going into yeah. it. Yeah. You know, and that person, I, I applaud them for not lowering their costs, to try to meet the market and let make the market come up to what, you know, they're, what they're contributing. I mean, I wish like, I wish all artists would do that, like would push to say like, no, this is my price um, and let the market reach it. And that's only because like I struggle. I understand the people who basically undervalue their work and sell it for way less than what it should be sold because they they just want to get the sell right they're like I'm trying to make a living off this I need to like I need to meet the market and I understand that but on the opposite side it it makes me cringe every time I see it because I'm like you're you're also damaging the entire market by doing that absolutely (laughs) because then if i'm trying to sell something that is perceived as similar but i'm at the price where it should be at Mm. then somebody's going to stand and look at them and say no somebody's going to make that cheaper and so it undervalues everybody's like work when you do that absolutely i i totally agree with that and we certainly have a lot of those in the clay world as well Mm -hmm. uh you know the, the one thing for me is if the rare it it doesn't happen often at shows but I do have people who will ask me you know will you take less and I just look them with smile square in the eye and say no (laughs) 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 you know and and most of the time they're just laying it out there to see if I will give them anything off you know but no, <laughs> I, I, I know what I put into this. I know the value of what I'm doing. I know what I bring to the table. I know the passion I bring to the table, the artistry I bring to the table, the uniqueness I bring to the table. And I don't undervalue myself for sure. Uh, you know, fortunately, though, I'm in a position where I'm going to eat whether it sells or not. See, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know not everybody's in that position. Yeah, yeah. I, I do understand that. And that's why I say it's like, that's why I do get when somebody is like selling it for less. Like, I totally understand the thought behind it. Um, in those situations, I'm more like, I would rather walk up to that person and be like, can I coach you to even just increase it by like, 30 <laughs> percent like yeah. just uh, like for one you win and the you know and the rest of us win um yeah. who are in this boat with you uh so that's I was you kind of read my mind I was going to go there and say like in order to really stick to your guns you have to be comfortable leaving a show or something without anything selling or yeah yeah I wouldn't like that but yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Unfortunately, I haven't had that happen. 
<laughs> right. But I know people who have. So yeah. I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Totally yeah. What you're saying. Yeah. But that can't feel good at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that can't feel good. Mm-mm. Um, I think though there's something to be said too to finding like the right place to show yeah. for your work, right? Um, to make yeah. sure that that doesn't happen as much. Um, are you selling at like when you say a show? Is it a full on like? I would say it's probably an art show above what I would call like a craft show. Or yeah, I don't. I don't do any craft shows. I do okay. uh, just jury, yeah, jury okay. fine art shows. Yeah, okay. For sure. And I very limited jury fine art shows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how else do you sell your work? I sell my work on, I have an Etsy site and I also have my own site that I'm very lazy about developing, so it hasn't been fully developed yet. <laughs> but, you know, fortunately, I mean, Instagram is a, it's a, an amazing, amazing way of growing a community. And I've been incredibly fortunate to have developed a large, um, I wouldn't say large, a, a decent following with a, mm-hmm. a wonderfully supportive community. I mean, like amazing. And a lot of, I would say uh, probably the majority of my sales come through that Instagram mm-hmm. community and they are directed to my selling platforms yeah. um, via links. And uh, that has been just an incredible, incredible way of selling things you know and I, I hear people say they don't want to get on Instagram they don't want to do the social media thing they don't want it they don't want it they don't want it and I'm like I mean I didn't get on there to sell things right. but you know as as my connections on there started to grow you know obviously sales started to grow yeah. as well and people help on there helped me to understand the value of what I'm doing, you know, mm-hmm. just because there's so many other creative souls on there. And it's such a positive for me specifically, yeah. it's a very positive place and a, a positive space. And the moment any person that I'm connected to on there is no longer positive in my life. I certainly sever ties with that individual, you know, <laughs> yeah, there are ways to, to, to stop that from happening. So anytime I'm on there, it's always a positive experience. And I try to come at it from a positive stance myself. So I'll, I'll only allow positivity back at me. So and, and that community is amazing. I'm assuming that you're, you spend oh, yeah. some time on there as oh, yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. And keep it positive. Yes. Uh, and, and same way, like the, the maker community, broader artist community that I've like tapped into on Instagram, um, nothing but love from that community. Mm-hmm. I, you know, um, the occasion that I get some kind of trolley comment, it's you, it's never somebody who follows me. Like it's just, right. you know, it's somebody who randomly from outside of the community finds my work. Um, mm-hmm. Hey makers, today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find 
any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, and also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout. If you enter the code maker mom, you will get a 20% discount off any of the merchandise that you buy. So that's just toolmomstore.com. All right, let's head back into the action. So yes, I would agree. And I would also agree, like it blows my mind how many artists like I come across in the real world and then I go to try to find them on social media and it doesn't exist. Uh, and I go, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, yeah. I, and I don't know if it's, part of me wonders if, you know, most of the artists that I'm thinking of, at least right now, are like um, attained artist degrees and such from university, you know, masters of art degrees and stuff. And I'm curious if it's because what is, what I feel is taught there is all gallery work. And so like that is seen as the only path to have your work validated and to gain respect. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if that's really true anymore. Right. Um, I don't dismiss it. Like, I definitely think it's still a path forward, but I think people could find more success and more venues for their work to be seen if they maybe did both paths at the right. same time. Right. And, and I do. I mean, I've done some, definitely done some gallery stuff. And, you know, Frank social media is more profitable because yeah. I'm not giving uh, such a large percentage mm-hmm. to a gallery if I'm doing my own thing. And I've had businesses find me on Instagram and it's taken me down other paths to do mm-hmm. other things like writing, writing articles about art and uh, creating other things for, I have some things in the works for other companies mm-hmm that relate to my art and all that's come through Instagram, Mm -hmm. which is still like (laughs) blows my mind, (laughs) blows my mind, you know, because I, when I first started my Instagram page, it was back when I was making crappy, ugly, clunky stuff. (laughs) And, you know, and I could have, you know, if there are people out there who have like maybe 200 followers or 300 followers or something like that, and they think that that's the, the end of it, it's not necessarily, right. it's, it's crazy how it can grow to just thousands and thousands of people in your community who, mm-hmm. who appreciate your work and want to buy your work or want to sell your work or want to share it yep. with other people. You know, it's a, it's a very exactly. cool platform. And I, and I think you keep hitting on a key word there too of community. Because um, I think, like, I personally learned that the hard way when I first started Instagram because I didn't really know what I was doing. It was just like, here's my work, somebody buy it mm-hmm. <laughs> kind right. of thing. And it wasn't focused on um, like building community 
first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, like I'm, I'm actually going to probably start a, a, a new separate account because what my account has become is so much about sharing my process and that has gained, um, like that's grown my community and it's people that appreciate the process and maybe people who are going to be more willing to support like the teaching aspect or, or stuff like that. Um, versus like wanting to buy a piece of furniture from me because these are generally people who can make their own furniture, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Um, so it's, uh, but I think once I focused on community, um, it also just changed my viewpoint where like a lot of these people, I kind of almost consider like, well, a lot of them are in real life friends now, but also a lot of them are almost like my coworkers. Like it grew mm-hmm. to something like if I'm struggling, trying to figure something out for a work piece, I have this whole resource to just be like, Hey people, <laughs> this is where I'm right. stuck. Somebody right. help walk me through like what you think I could do to fix this issue. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's like an amazing experience too. Yeah. And I like to do that for other people. Like I do mm-hmm. get some questions about that. Uh, a clay community is a very, it's, it is a very helpful community, but at the same time, like when you do some a specific process, like I do, mm-hmm. uh, people will keep their secrets about how they're achieving. <laughs> and I, I totally understand that because I also will keep mine. I mean, I'll share a lot, but there are certain things that I won't share. Mm-hmm. And generally I will share, I will share after I've done something for at least a year and then I'm more willing to share that old process because it becomes an old process for mm-hmm. me uh, with the community. I have uh, a lot more than clay people, which surprised me a little bit in in my in my um, my Instagram specific community. A lot like people who have never touched clay, never thought about clay, no, you know, none of that, and they just are enjoying. Mm-hmm just the visual I guess of it and it's like you said some of these people I I feel like even though I haven't met them in person like they're Mm -hmm. friends yep you know (laughs) (laughs) like I know them and I mean I had the freakiest thing happen to me I went out to dinner here where I a couple towns over where I teach and I'm sitting there at dinner and there's this guy who's just staring at me staring at me staring at me and then, and, and uh, I'm having dinner. I think it was, I think my wife was with me and we're just sitting there and she's just like, this guy behind you, he just keeps staring at you. Like, what is, <laughs> what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. So finally I get up. It was, it, I get up. No, I didn't get up. He comes over to me and he's like, are you a clay artist? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, I follow you on Instagram. Like I had no clue who this guy was. Right. And he's just like, I follow you on Instagram. And you know, he's introducing himself yeah. to me. And he's like, I love your work. And where he starts having a conversation with me, I'm like, that was like a total star moment. Like, yeah. what the heck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> and I've had that happen a couple of times. Yeah. I'm like, well, I totally just know you on Instagram. It's like, how do you know me 
and then you run it to me in a restaurant. Yes. Like, that's crazy. I had, I had two of those moments. It's been, it's been years now, but they were like super close together. One, I was like, I had a sick kiddo and I was in Walgreens and she's like all snotty like, you know, sick. And I'm like, just trying to find medicine. And somebody like has stopped in the aisle and is staring at us. And I'm like, what is, like, <laughs> I'm just trying to keep yeah. this kid from like getting her gross germs everywhere and everything. And she came mm-hmm. over and she's like, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I follow you on Instagram and I love your work. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. And, uh, and, and then I had some uh, checkout person in the, in the grocery store too once be like, do you make things out of wood on Instagram? And I'm like, yes. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. It is. a it, it feels weird, right? Like it just. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's nuts. It's cool though. It is cool. It is cool. Um, yeah. So you talked about like, I've had other clay artists on, I will say I'm one of those people who follows, like I follow clay artists. I follow all kinds of artists of people of things I don't do. Um, mm-hmm. But I find all of it like inspirational uh, yeah. for my own work, you know, just to yeah. see objects other people are creating. Um yeah. But I've had other players on the podcast and they've talked about kind of something a little bit you hinted at, which is like sometimes in the clay community, that knowledge isn't um, shared. It's kind of a kept, like a closely, <laughs> closely mm-hmm. guarded secret. Um, yeah. Do you feel like in, in the clay world, like, do you feel like every all the artists feel like competition? Uh, I, I actually, I don't think that that's the case. I, I don't. Cause I do also know a lot of people who share mm-hmm. a lot and there are a lot of um, different groups and they share, people are willing to share a lot of knowledge. I just think that there are certain things uh, that, that clay artists and probably any artist just yes. need to keep, to themselves if there's something that specifically they do very, very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's so easy to show, to teach something. And then the next thing you know, everybody's doing the exact same thing and you're no longer unique. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, even when I teach, because I do teach crystalline and I'll teach crystalline and I'll see someone, they can't, they, they can't do the exact same thing I'm doing, but I'll see them teaching or not teaching but demonstrating things that they learned in my class Mm -hmm. and so essentially they're teaching they're giving away the knowledge that I've given them so I have to if I'm going to teach something or I'm going to give somebody part of my knowledge it's going to be something that I'm willing to have get out there to everybody yeah and so I think that um, you know when somebody has really 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 good very specific knowledge I'm totally cool with them keeping that to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also see clay artists share a ton of what they're doing, with, especially with newbies. The clay artists are really good with brand new people. Mm-hmm. What they might have a problem with is when somebody gets really, really good and they start to outshine them, then some people I think could have an issue with that. Uh, for me, I love when somebody gets so good because of something I taught them. Yeah you know and I get that I think I also think it's a little bit of human nature 
to to like I think it's human nature to be afraid of sometimes of seeing somebody that you've helped succeed further yeah. than you. Um, yeah. When the reality is, is they're not really like they might be succeeding in their pool, <laughs> right. but like right. you're in a whole other pool. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the same pool. It's the same idea of like women competing for the one seat at the at the executive table, it's like, no, we yeah. could actually just make the table bigger. Right. <laughs> and create <Exactly>. more seats. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I, I've certainly lived through a, an artist who seemed to enjoy my, uh, my personal success until I got to be really successful. And then they didn't, they didn't seem to like it quite as much. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've lived what you just spoke. Yeah. 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 It's unfortunate, but it is. It's a re it is a reality. It is. So, um, with your, I guess, particular individual story of kind of getting into clay, working through it, <laughs> getting better right. on your own, um, do you feel? I'm curious about if you feel. you've always had other representation within like the clay and artist community or do you feel like it's been gatekeep kept um it has been huh it's a good question uh i think that it seems <laughs> How do I put this? <laughs> I'm watching you trying to be like politically correct. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think that um, I, there's there's probably a gender divide. Okay. How about that? There, there's 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 a bit of a gender divide, and you know i i won't let myself get in that gender divide just because when you live in the corporate world and you are a person who looks like me and is and is is a woman you're you're definitely feeling the gender divide there yes. there's no yep. question about that Absolutely. you know and it's and it's i want you to be uh, I, I I like the fact that you bring diversity to the table, but I want you to still be one of the guys. I want you to still be like just yeah. like me. I don't yeah. want you to be diverse, you know. But I I like you look diverse, but I don't want you to actually be. Yeah. So there there's certainly uh, quite a bit of that, I would say. But I think it's what I've experienced and seen is is like the guys will stick with the guys, and that's who they respect, and the women will be more comfortable with the women. Um, but they'll still show respect to the guys. So I think they still tend to put the guys up on the pedestal. Uh, and just like everything else in the world, if you're going to be different from the mainstream norm, you're going to have to be twice as good or four times as good in order to be considered just on the exact same level. Uh, it's the reality. I don't fight that kind of stuff. I didn't fight it in corporate life and I don't fight it in the art life. I just be me. And I just, but I do know the reality is that I have to be way better than somebody who is, you know, that mainstream 
male <laughs> in in the art world to be considered just equal to them. I mean, I saw this crazy quote on, I don't know where it was, I think it might've been on Facebook and I, and I wanna give credit to the person who posted it, but I don't remember who posted it, but it was like, um, approach the day with the same swag as a oh god was the same swag as, as, a, as a mediocre white man white man yeah that was so funny i was just like that's so true <laughs> 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 you've seen the quote obviously well i also um i all i i come from and i still do work in kind of corporate world and um Specifically, I actually work with a lot of manufacturing companies, which mm. are pretty much all white, yeah. all male, yeah. all heterosexual. <laughs> right. um, and the only thing of those three uh, identifying terms that I identify with is white. And, mm. um, and even then, I don't really feel like I fit that mold because I'm pretty social justice driven. Um, right. <laughs> so yeah. I've, uh, I never feel comfortable in those spaces. Um, and I always feel like, yes, I have to be four times better than, mm -hmm. um, you know, the counterpart. And a lot of times I still lose out to the counterpart right. who is less. Right. Mm -hmm. um, which I do feel like has given me, I don't know, like a, the chops to deal with, yeah. like uh, walking into woodworking spaces that are still predominantly white, male, heterosexual. <laughs> like um, it just, I don't know, it doesn't bother me as much as it might right. have in my younger days before having lived 20 years in these other yeah. spaces <laughs> right right yeah then i'm like but i'm like whatever with you yes. know you know create your world whatever you want to do to create your world i'm just gonna do my thing and do it gonna, <laughs> someone's gonna enjoy the work i do or they're not exactly i i think i've hit a point too of like i'm i not that i don't think there needs to be like a a fight to make things more equitable because I definitely feel that way. But I think that it, I've changed my mindset into instead of fighting the inequitable system, I'm just going to come over here and create the beautiful equitable system and hope that people join me over here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, I appreciate you dancing around that a little bit in your. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, I hope people watch the, the YouTube version of this so they can see the, <laughs> the, how well you danced around. <laughs> is what it is, though. It is. Um, yeah. So we, we are getting close to the end of our time together, and I want to yeah. give you the chance to let people know where they can go to see your work and follow along with you. Yeah, I would say the best place to go is just jump on my Instagram, Sandra Elder Pottery, and that'll link you to anything and anything everywhere else that I am either teaching or other adventures that I'm involved in. If I'm in some crazy spot in the world teaching some obscure thing, 
Well, I'm going to be on it. the I'm going to be on the lookout when you start teaching um, entrepreneurship for artists. Like, I'll be uh, I'll I'll hit that Zoom class for sure. <laughs> That's a great idea. That's a great idea for sure. I know it's it's definitely needed out there. Yeah, I would have to just create some content that I think is just uplifting and meaningful, but also uh, full of information. Yes, so, yes. Um, well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I really enjoyed our time together. Truly my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Okay, so again, that was Sandra Elder, and you can find the link on how you can follow along with her in the show notes for today's episode. The best place to find that is check the description for the episode on your podcast app. If you're watching this on the Freeman Furnishings YouTube channel, check the description box down below. And lastly, you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast and find this episode as well as all the past episodes there. Make sure to follow along with the podcast over on Instagram at Crafting a Revolution. Uh, no spaces, no underscores, no dashes, just all one word together, Crafting a Revolution. And that's where you can find the best ways to support the podcast if you are enjoying it. There's the option to go to Patreon, which gives you the chance to support in an ongoing monthly way. There's the option to do a one-time donation. And then if you uh, would like to support the podcast, uh, but not in a monetary way, you can do that by sharing about it. Uh, especially on Instagram. Make sure to tag the podcast again at Crafting a Revolution. Share some of your favorite makers that you've uh, listened to their interviews. And um, also uh, make sure that you are subscribed and like it and get the notifications on your podcast app. And you can head to iTunes to leave a review. All of those methods help the podcast in more ways than you know, and they are all greatly appreciated. Over on Instagram, you can also come over and say hi to your host, myself, Katie Freeman. You can find me at Freeman Furnishings. And my co-host, Katie Thompson, you can find her at Women of Woodworking and at Pen and Chisel. Uh, both projects are around uh, broadening uh, the scope of the woodworking craft and bringing more into the fold. Um, so you can say hi to her over there or hi to me over at Freeman Furnishings. All right, so this week we have two brand new episodes for you. So this is just the first, the second will be out on Friday. And uh, in the meantime, as always, let's go craft a revolution. She, her, fan, fan.